So welcome back to all the students. Happy New Year, since I haven't said it to most of you yet. Um, last week, we started to ask the question of how do we find balance in how we relate to time? How do we balance work and rest? How do we find a rhythm that contributes to wholeness instead of constant activity that leads to burnout? How do we both be diligent in our work and also diligent in our rest so that we create space for life? How do we manage our own internal expectations and the expectations of people around us so that we find a life that has a rhythm of well-being? And so last week we looked at the Old Testament case for rest. We saw, first of all, which is throughout the Old Testament, that we rest because God rested. God, in creation, for six days he created. He rested on the seventh day. We rest to imitate God. Then we saw, secondly, last week, that rest is a command from God. It's actually one of the top ten commandments that God has for his people, that we would honor the Sabbath to keep it holy. Thirdly, we saw that rest is a gift from God. It's not just something that he commands us, but it is something that he gives to us to bless us. And then fourthly, our final point last week is we saw that the level of our rest reveals the level of our trust in God. To the extent that we trust God, we can stop and rest. To the extent that we don't trust him, we are constantly going to be asking ourselves the question, if I don't take care of this, who will? To which God responds to us constantly, if you will rest, I will take care of you. So our rest reveals the level of our trust in God. Then at the end of the sermon last week, we looked at Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14, which gave us just some very practical ways to practice days of Sabbath rest. Just some, some enlightenment in how to do this. And I actually want to read Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 to you again, just to kind of set the tone again for this theme. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. The Lord says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires. Don't be selfish about it. Or, and don't talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. God says, I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised. I, the Lord, have spoken. When we look through the Old Testament and rest, we find that God has always given his followers a better way to live. God's always given his followers a way to have fullness of life and not constant activity and drudgery. We find that there is a way as the followers of God, as followers of Jesus, to manage the pace of our lives so that it contributes to the peace of our souls and it contributes to our well-doing in the world. So today, what I want to explore with you today is what Jesus taught about rest. And um, I want to do this through one particular passage in Mark chapter 2. I want to focus on two sentences that Jesus teaches about rest. And then at the end of the sermon, I want to kind of demystify Sabbath rest 
and just give some practical ideas about how we can actually do this. It's not that complicated. So here's the text from, Matthew, uh, from Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, he's with his disciples, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God at the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Talmud is a collection of Jewish civil and ceremonial laws. It was actually completed five centuries before Christ. It was compiled together. And the Talmud had some 39 categories of things that you could not do on the Sabbath. Here, to give you an idea, um, no planting, no plowing, no reaping, no gathering. Um, the, the disciples were accused of reaping because they were getting some trail mix from picking the heads of the wheat as they walked through the field, and that was considered reaping, and it was forbidden on the Sabbath. No cooking or baking, Gene. No baking. No shearing. Some of you will like this one. No laundry. Um, no trapping. No hunting. So John Lee couldn't do what he wanted to do. No writing. Interesting. And even no erasing. So if you wrote something, you couldn't um, erase it out. The Pharisees had each and every one of these 39 categories of rules just meticulously and scrupulously spelled out so you knew exactly. So, so for women, for this whole thing of, of reaping grain, they were told that they could hold seven grains of wheat. But if they held an eighth grain, then they would have broken the Sabbath. And so there was a scrupulosity that, that just was tied up with, with rules. And by the time that we get to Jesus, there's a whole group of religious people who are just plain whiny and judgmental about everything with the Sabbath. They had life-sapping rules where God was trying to give life-giving rest. And so we see this culture, and, and they completely missed the point of Sabbath rest that Man was not made to fulfill all those rules. The Sabbath was a gift to them. And so that's the first thing I want to look at with you from Mark 2.27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It seems like thinking about the Sabbath goes stupid in one of two directions in the Scriptures. In the Old Testament, the thinking about Sabbath went stupid in that they just disregarded it. They didn't care whether it was one of the Ten Commandments or whether it was the fourth one. It just, they blew it off. And so the prophets are constantly saying... Don't neglect to honor the Sabbath. Well, in the New Testament, in that, that intertestamental period, the thinking about the Sabbath went stupid in the other direction by having all these life-sapping rules about what could and couldn't be done in, on the Sabbath day. So Jesus comes along and says, Guys, you've got all this backwards. It's not, the Sabbath isn't like this heavy 
burden that you have to do because it's one of the Ten Commandments, nor is it one of these days where you have to be absolutely precise about how many steps you take so that you're not breaking the Sabbath rule against traveling. The Sabbath was given for man to not give us something else that we have to be burdened with, but to give us something that releases our spirit that will contribute to our well-being. Every other culture had this, this constant, constant work with no rest. Work, 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 work. And Jesus comes and says, God has given us a rhythm. Six days we will work. Then we stop. And we get to listen to our souls. We get to slow down so that the pace of our life, that our souls can actually catch up to where we are. We get to stop and and back up and reflect and say, is our life what we really want it to be? How might we have greater joy and greater delight? God has given us the Sabbath for our sake to release us and to free us. And when we don't receive the Sabbath as his gift, The simple fact is we are diminished. We wear out. We might be successful in the ways of the world, but the deepest things that God wants to do in us and through us just simply don't get done. So Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man the Sabbath. And it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? When we're constantly distracted, constantly busy, and when we're not busy, when we're constantly entertained, when we have all of this activity, there's no space for God to break in. There's no space for Jesus to speak, for the Holy Spirit to fill us. When I'm too busy meeting everybody else's expectations and the expectations of my workplace and my culture, and truth be told, when I'm too busy meeting all of my expectations, that it crowds out a day of rest, then the deepest work is not completed. We skim across the surface of life, and we are not what God wants us to be. It's been observed, actually, over the the centuries that the Jews didn't so much keep the Sabbath as the Sabbath kept the Jews. We don't so much keep Sabbath rest as Sabbath rest keeps us sane and balanced and full and thriving. First point that Jesus teaches about the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Second point that Jesus teaches about the Sabbath is in the very next verse, Mark 2.28. Jesus says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The fact that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath is, is absolutely proved by what Jesus does in the Gospels on the Sabbath day. I was actually surprised how much we know about Jesus' activities on Sabbath days throughout the Gospels. There's an episode, the episode we just read of where Jesus is walking with his disciples on a Sabbath day. There is, um, there is so often where Jesus is teaching on the Sabbath, which again makes sense because that's when people are available and people are listening, so Jesus is able to speak. So in Luke chapter 4, it was on a Sabbath day that Jesus went to the synagogue in Nazareth. 
And he read from the prophet Isaiah and said, I have come to release captives. I have come to give sight to the blind. It was on a Sabbath day that Jesus announced that he had come to bring the kingdom of God. And the people were were amazed at his gracious words. But then the sad thing is we read next, they go, wait, 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 wait a second. Isn't this Joseph the carpenter's boy? Who does he think he is? And so in the end, they actually, instead of, uh, instead of listening to this incredible announcement that the kingdom of God was coming, they want to stone Jesus the messenger. But what's really amazing in the Gospels is how often Jesus heals people on the Sabbath. So much so that I actually have to start to wonder, when I'm not available to God in days of Sabbath rest, am I missing out on healing that he has for me? So it was on a Sabbath day that Jesus healed the man with the withered hand. So this man shows up, and he's clearly suffering, and the legalists are actually standing around wondering whether Jesus will break the Sabbath rules by healing. At the, and Jesus says to them, don't you understand that the Sabbath is a day to do good? And he heals the man's withered hand. In Mark 1 and also in Luke 4, it's in Capernaum on a Sabbath day. Jesus is again teaching in the synagogue, and a demon-possessed man comes, and Jesus casts out the demon. And then he leaves teaching in the synagogue, and on that same day, he goes to Peter's house and heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then as evening came, people brought to them all who were sick and infirm, and Jesus healed them, breaking and violating Sabbath laws. In Luke chapter 13, on a Sabbath day again, Jesus is, is teaching, and he heals a woman who, we're told she had an evil spirit which, which tormented her and crippled her. The rule of the synagogue, so Jesus heals her. He sees her suffering, heals her. Listen to what the rule of the synagogue says. He says, he announces to all the sick people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. How absurd this woman has been freed. And so Jesus says, says, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, ought she not be loosed on the Sabbath day? And Jesus is saying once again to all the people around, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. In John chapter 5, actually um, Luke 14, we'll do this one. Um, Jesus heals a man that we're told he had dropsy. Now, I didn't know what dropsy was. I couldn't remember, so I looked it up. Here's what dropsy is. It's an old term for the swelling of soft tissues due to the accumulation of excess water. In the past, a person might have been said to have dropsy. Today, one would be more descriptive and specify the cause. Thus, the person might have edema due to congestive heart failure. All right, all that to say, this guy's really sick. This guy is really suffering. And the religious leaders did not believe that Sabbath could be used for him to be released from his suffering to start to have a different kind of life. Once again, Jesus heals him because the Sabbath is a day for healing and doing good. In John chapter 5, Jesus comes across a man by the the pool of Bethsaida, uh, Bethsaida, and, or I'm sorry, Bethesda, and this man had been crippled for 38 years, laying there by the pool. 
Jesus says, do you want to be healed? He says, nobody can help me into the water. Jesus says, pick up your bed and walk. So he does. Picks up his sleeping bag and starts walking. And it's interesting, um, this is in John chapter 5. In the next sentence, after he, he picks up his bed and walks, there's a sentence that goes, now that day was the Sabbath. Of course it was. And we're pretty sure what's going to happen next. And sure enough, religious leaders and Pharisees see him walking with his sleeping bag and say, ah, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not supposed to be carrying your sleeping bag. What they should have noticed is this is the guy that was sitting there for 38 years and couldn't walk. But they're too scrupulous and too tied up about the Sabbath being too complicated that all they do is see that he's violating it in some way. So he says, they, they say to him, they question, what are you doing? He says, I, this guy told me to do it, so I just did it. And then Jesus goes and finds him in the temple later. And he says to him, be careful that you don't sin so that nothing worse will happen to you. you know what this guy does? He goes back to the Pharisees and turns Jesus in and says, uh, Jesus is the one who told me to pick up my bed and walk. And we read, And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. You get the idea that they understand that Jesus is claiming to be Lord of the Sabbath? Because in the very next verse, Jesus says, My father is working until now, and I too am working. And don't forget, he said, he's working on the Sabbath. This was why the Jews were seeking, verse 19. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Jesus. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he's even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. All right, one more. Then, All of John chapter 9 is devoted to a man who was born blind. The disciples came and Jesus came across them. The disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, neither. He was born blind so that the power of God could be seen in him. This was on a Sabbath day. Jesus spits onto the ground with his saliva. He makes some mud, puts it on the man's eyes, and says, go wash in the pool. The man goes and washes in the pool. He's able to see for the first time ever in his life he can see. Well, what, you should have, what we would have expected is people say, whoa, hallelujah, you can see? But when they ask him what happens, he says, yeah, this guy put, made some mud and put it on my eyes, and now I can see. And they said, what, 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 he made some mud? You can't do that on the Sabbath. Who was this guy? Well, he was blind. He doesn't know who he was, right? He says, I don't know. And so they question him. Then they bring in his parents and say, is this really your son, and was he really born blind? Because we've got to get to the bottom of this violating the Sabbath because he made mud and put it on his eyes. And the parents say, uh, he's our son. We don't know what happened. Ask him. They call him back in, right? And I love this guy. I mean, unlike the, the cripple um, who was picking up his, his sleeping roll and walking. I love this guy. They question, the religious leaders question him again. And this is what he said, John nine twenty seven. Look, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? And this question. Uh, do you want to become his disciples too? And of course, they kick him out of the synagogue. And um, Jesus here's what's hap- heard what happened. He went and found him. And he said, do you know who's given you sight? And he says, I want to know. 
And Jesus says, it was I. And he says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Jesus so often heals on the Sabbath. He's very often teaching, and that leads to times of healing. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, or was Lord of the Sabbath through the Gospels. Jesus is still Lord of the Sabbath. When we dedicate times for him, when we ramp down and don't get so distracted and so busy, when we set aside days of Sabbath rest, Jesus is still Lord of the Sabbath. He will come to us, he will speak to us, he will teach us, and he will heal us. All right, I want to move on because we, we get it, right? We get it. The Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. Jesus is still Lord of the Sabbath. The problem is this. We've overcomplicated Sabbath thinking a lot like the Pharisees did. And so I was talking with one person here at Cornerstone this week who said, I don't know what I'd do with a whole day of Sabbath. With, would I have to do, like, spiritual stuff all day long? And then I was talking to another person, not from Cornerstone. I was talking about um, the series we're in. And she was younger, and she said, you know, it just, I just want somebody to tell me what I can do and what I can't do because it all seems so complicated. And as I walked away from that conversation, I thought, no, it's not. It's not that complicated. So I want to share with you some ideas on observing a Sabbath day of rest with Jesus. Because I want to show you that it really is not that complicated. I want to start with Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. You've heard these verses almost surely before. I want you to hear them as an invitation from Jesus for your days of Sabbath. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, because my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I want you to hear in those words, Jesus' heart for your rest. I want you to hear how much Jesus longs for that fullness, that depth, that quiet, that reflection, that fullness of your life. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. So I'd like to give you some, some pointers on how to demystify or decomplicate days of Sabbath rest. Now, um, um, I am working really, really hard on not giving you too many points in sermons. This next slides are going to look like it's a lot of points, but it's not. And, you know, I'll put it up on Facebook so that you can see it. All I'm doing in this next point is walking from the beginning of a Sabbath day to the end of the Sabbath day and giving you ideas for how you can celebrate it more fully. Number one, we might as well, I mean, this is one of those areas where we make it more complicated. And for those of you who are like, like um, medical doctors or you have to work on Sundays, it's going to be a little bit more complicated for you. But for almost all of the rest of us, the most natural day for us to set aside for Sabbath rest is Sunday. That was already happening in the New Testament. By the time you get to the end of the New Testament, there was a transition of the followers of Jesus who were set aside, setting aside the first day of the week 
for their gatherings and for their rest. So already in the New Testament, it's happening. For most of us, we might as well just settle it. The most natural day for us to practice Sabbath rest is Sunday. So let's think in terms of that. And as I said, if it's different for you, then you'll have to figure that out um, on your own. So once we've settled that Sunday will be our days of rest, our rhythm of rest, um, the next thing is how do we start our Sundays? Generations of Sabbath keepers have insisted that we don't start our Sabbath day in the morning when we wake up. In the Jewish way of thinking about time, the day began the evening before and went through to the next evening. So don't start thinking about what you will not do and what you will do on your Sabbath day. Don't start thinking on Sunday. Start thinking on Saturday evening. And when you start to do this, you'll find out that it starts to shape your Saturday evening differently, and then you actually will wake up Sunday morning in a different kind of a, uh, an experience of a different kind of time. Um, Jewish um, people throughout the centuries have started the Sabbath at sundown. They light a candle, and they say a prayer. I want to encourage us. We can start our Sabbath. We don't have to light candles. I don't care whether you do candles or not. But certainly we can pray and say, Lord Jesus, on this next 24 hours of my Sabbath rest, help me to listen to you. Help me to figure out what not to do and what to do so that I honor you in everything I do on this day. All right, then, Sunday morning, you're going to wake up. I want to encourage you, before you get out of bed on Sunday morning, to say a prayer of thankfulness in anticipation of what God's going to do on that day because it's on days of Sabbath rest when Jesus can get our attention and he can teach us and he can heal us. Six days of the week, we get to wake up and work. Let's wake up on the seventh day and go, thank you that this day is special. This is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Then, wake up Sunday morning, you're going to get ready, and you're going to show up at church. Here's the cool thing about church. Church takes care of a bunch of stuff that we ought to be doing on days of Sabbath. It brings us into the presence of God so that we can worship. It, gives us, it puts us around other fellow believers so that we can be ministered to and so we can minister to them. That's one of the reasons why Sunday is such a great day for us to all decide is going to be our Sabbath rest. And so when you come to church, you're looking for how the Lord wants you to minister to others, and you're listening for what Jesus wants to say to you. A successful church service is where, or a time when you've been with the, the people of God is when you have cared for other people and when you have listened for what Jesus wants to say. All right, that gets you through to noon on Sunday, unless we all go long in our sermons, in which case it gets you to 1215. Now you've got to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your Sabbath day. And here's the sad thing. Most of us have settled or come to the conclusion that the Lord's day is the Lord's morning. And then Sunday afternoon and evening is pretty much for us to do whatever we want to do with it. But I want to encourage you, your Sabbath isn't over once you leave church. So the next thing, go and have a meal with other believers. Because Sabbath is a time from, for ceasing our activities, but it's also a time for feasting. It is amazing how often in the scriptures God does stuff when his people gather around each other for a meal. 
So intentionally, go have a meal with um, brothers and sisters in Christ and celebrate that you get to have a different kind of day. All right, once your meal's done, now you get to figure out, what am I going to do with the next four to six hours of this day? And you know what? There aren't a lot of rules at this point. Other than, it's not for your selfish agendas, and it's not supposed to burden you. Think about it. You have the gift four to six hours once a week every Sunday afternoon and evening to fill with something that will bring you more life. So if you really sense God's presence in nature, go outside, take a walk. If you love the activity of sports, then go play sports, but do it as unto the Lord, okay? You know, we often say that we don't have time for friends in our lives. What a great time to say, you know what? Sunday afternoon and evening is always marked aside for anything that will honor the Lord. And I think that I want to gather with some close friends to honor the Lord. And um, if, I mean, the neat thing is, say you, you really feel a need for more creativity time, so do something creative. Do your collages or whatever it is that you do, you creative people. I don't know what you do. I just know my wife sits over the table and she keeps looking at things and juggling them around and says, what do you think of this? And I always go, oh, looks great to me. So creative stuff like that's not going to do anything for Bill. But it fuels Marla and it fuels Anna. So do it. This may be a time for you to realize that there's some group or some issue that is weighing your heart down, some issue of justice or some group of people that you feel that you ought to be doing something about. What a great time. You have Sunday after, you could, you could do it every Sunday if you want, or maybe once a month on Sunday, you go and do some good in the world. Do you get the idea? This is a time where God has given you. you know, very often we say, I don't have a time to pray in my life. Sometimes Sunday afternoon or evening, you could sit down for half an hour or a whole hour if you want to. You could pray blessings over all of your friends and families and loved ones. How satisfying would it be to, to wake up every Monday morning and know that you have prayed well for God's blessings for the people you love? You get the gift of the rest of the day on the Sabbath to do anything that will honor Jesus and will bring you life. Who gets that, right? We Christians still have a Sabbath, have a Sabbath rest that's available to us. And then, very end, you've got to close your Sabbath day, Right? So here's just the suggestion I would say on closing your Sabbath. Reflect for a moment. Just ask yourself, am I in a better place now because of what I did this day? Or ask yourself, did I honor the Lord in everything I did on this day? Ask yourself, is there something that that I could have done that would have brought more joy or would have made the world a better place? Lord Jesus, just help me evaluate this Sabbath day. And it's not, it's not a rigorous kind of, it's not grading you like you flunked or you got an A. It's simply getting in the habit of reflecting so that your Sabbaths grow richer and richer and richer for the rest of your lives. Can you imagine if you do this for 20 and 30 years? Imagine how your marriage will change, how your children will be different. Imagine how much deeper you would be because you've actually listened to Jesus 
in a very intentional way. And then end your Sabbath with a prayer of thankfulness for whatever it is that the Lord has done on that day. All right, I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit sad at how much I think I've missed of the voice of Jesus in my life and the healing of Jesus in my soul and in my marriage and in my my relationships and in my friendships. It's not that complicated. We can do this, Cornerstone. Let's become a people who learn Sabbath rest together. All right, next week we're going to close the sermon series um, because here's what we're going to bump up against. Most of us are already convinced that this is good, right? That God is doing this for our good. And I want to encourage you to take the rest of this day and practice it as a Sabbath day. What many of us are going to find is that we want it badly, but we simply don't get it into our lives. So next week, we're going to try to remove some of the obstacles so that we can do it. What I want you to see this week is it's not complicated. We can do this. So would you, for the rest of this day, dedicate it to the Lord and honor him in everything you do? Let's pray. Father, forgive us for disregarding the Sabbath and forgive us for overcomplicating Sabbath rest. I pray that there would be a time and that that time would be soon when once again your people are known because of their sane rhythms of work and rest, of diligence and productivity and intentional inactivity. I pray that that it would get to the point in our culture where people would see us stopping the treadmill, stepping out of the rat race, doing good for others, that people would see that in your children and know in their hearts that we must be followers of Jesus Christ. We dedicate the remainder of this day to you. Help us to not do anything that is selfish in it, Um, trying to get our own selfish agendas. Help us to do what brings us delight, what brings you delight. Help us to filter our words so that they are few and full so that we get to the end of this Sabbath day, that our prayer of thankfulness is rich, that our prayer of thankfulness is full to overflowing. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are still the Lord of the Sabbath, given to us as a gift. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.